And thus we have made you an ummah, a nation that is wasatan. Kadalika. The word kadalika is ka and thalika. What does ka mean? Like. And thalika, that. So just like that. Similarly, likewise, in the same way. In the same way as what? In the same way that we have decided the qibla for you. We have commanded you to face Baytullah, the Kaaba, in your prayer and not Baytul Maqdis anymore. Just as we have made this decision for you, we are the ones who have made you Ummatan Wasatan. So Allah is the one who has commanded that we face the Kaaba in Salah and He is the one who has decreed for the Muslim Ummah that they be Ummatan Wasatan. What does it mean by Ummatan Wasatan? Ummah, nation, community, Wasatan. Wasatan is from the root letters Waw, Seen, Ta. Waw, Seen, Ta. And the word Wasat is understood mainly in two ways. First of all, it is used for that which is in the middle. That which is in the middle of something. For example, in distance. Five kilometers. What's in the middle? Three. You have two on the right and two on the left. Two in front of you, two behind you. So three is what? Wasat. You have five apples all in a row. Which one is in the wasat? The third one. It's in the middle. So wasat is that which is in the middle, whether it is middle in distance or in quantity or in quality. This is what wasat means, middle. So what does it mean by this? Ummatan wasatan, a middle ummah. Huh? Middle with regards to its time. Meaning, from the beginning of creation until the end of time. The time that has passed and the time that is left is equal where the Muslim Ummah stands. So when the Prophet ﷺ came, when this Muslim Ummah is established, how much time has passed since the beginning of creation? The same as the time that is left until the Day of Judgment. But there is a second meaning which makes more sense. That the word wasat also means that which is best. That which is best. Why? If you think about it, whatever is in the middle is the best. Have you ever been to a doctor's appointment and they tell you that your height for your age is average, your weight for your age is average, your growth is perfectly average, and you're like, Alhamdulillah. That's the only thing that you can be happy about, being average. Every time I take my son to a doctor's appointment, you know, I always wonder, is he in the lower side or the upper side? You know, if he's in the average, I'm very glad. So whatever is in the middle is the best. Age, when it comes to age, which one is the best? Middle, right? When you're too young, you can't do anything. People say you're too young. When you grow older, then you can do it. When you're very old, people tell you, you know, you're old, go have a seat. You can't come with us. You sit, I'll drive. You sit, I'll cook. So the best age is which one? Middle. When it comes to spending, what kind of spending is best? Spending nothing or spending too much? In the middle. So we see that moderation is that which is best. So ummatan wasatan means the best ummah. Why the best ummah? Because it is free from extremes. When it comes to the sharia that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has given to this ummah, it is free from extremes. For example, when we look at the Yahud, what did they do with the messengers that were sent to them? They killed them or they rejected them? 
The Nasara, the messengers who were sent to them, for example, Isa a.s., what did they do to them? They exalted him to the level of God. Extremes. But the Muslim Ummah, moderate. Right in the middle. Balanced. We see that when it comes to dietary laws, the Yehud, extremely strict. More strict than us. And when it comes to Christians, extremely lenient. Similarly, when it comes to marriage, when it comes to divorce, when it comes to the laws regarding cleanliness, the Yehud, we see that their religion extremely strict. And the Christians, on the other hand, very, very lenient. But the Muslim ummah, balanced, moderate. Now, there is a term that's very common these days. Moderate Muslim. And there is another one that is used in contrast to it. Extremist, fundamentalist. What do people think a moderate person is? He prays sometimes, but he doesn't pray other times. He doesn't have a beard, but he's very nice in his manners. She doesn't wear a hijab, but she prays five times a day. This is what we think moderate Muslim is, right? That extremely educated, but never been to Hajj. Very wealthy, and very educated, very influential, very charitable, but at the same time, they don't wear hijab. This is what we think moderate is. And we think that a fundamentalist or an extremist is who? A person who wears hijab and prays. A person who has a beard and he also works. We think that he's an extremist. But this is not what this ayah means. Ummatan wasatan does not mean moderate according to our standard. It means moderate according to the law of Allah. Remember, every command that Allah has given us, every command that is in this religion, it teaches us moderation. It keeps us balanced. If we leave anything, we would be going to extremes. Many times we think that a moderate Muslim is the one who conforms to the society, to the culture, pop culture, whatever it is. They want that a Muslim should conform to everything, he is moderate. And if he doesn't fully conform, then he is an extremist. But if you think about it, if for example, I go to work and I wear hijab and I pray, my work allows me to do that. This country allows me to do that. So what's so extremist about that? There is nothing extremist about that. I'm doing what I'm supposed to do in the way that is practical for me, in the way that is possible for me. So there's nothing wrong with that. There's also another perception of who extremists are. Extremely severe, extremely harsh when it comes to the matters of religion. They will look down on others. They will not accommodate others in any way at all. They will go on saying to other people on their face that they're going to hellfire. Uh, this person is kafir, that person is kafir. They think that they are the persons who are at the highest level when it comes to religion, so they have the authority to say whatever. This is something that's not right. This is definitely not acceptable. So anyway, back to Ummatan Wasatan. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says that, وَكَذَلِكَ جَعَلْنَاكُمْ Ummatan Wasatan. Allah has made us the best Ummah. How has Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala made us the best Ummah? That Allah has given us the best Sharia. Allah has given us the most practical religion, the easy religion in which there is no difficulty. Why? What's the reason? لِتَكُونُوا شُهَدَاءَ عَلَى النَّاسِ So that you may be witnesses over mankind. Shuhada is the plural of shaheed or shahid, a witness. شِنَهَدَالْ عَلَى النَّاسِ Upon the people. What does it mean by this? لِتَكُونُوا شُهَدَاءَ عَلَى النَّاسِ So that you may be a witness over the people. This is understood in two ways. First of all, in this world. That you be a witness over the people, that the religion that Allah has given to you, you convey to others. You also tell others about it. And secondly, on the day of judgment. That on the day of judgment, you will bear witness against the people. What does it mean by this? We learned that on the day of judgment, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala will ask the people, 
about the deeds that they have performed. Obviously, Allah knows very well about what they have done. But Allah will question them for the purpose of hisab. And we see that people will say, we did this wrong because we never knew we were supposed to worship only you. We had no idea. Allah will question them. Were no messengers sent to you? They will say, no. We had no idea. Nobody came and told us. And obviously, why will they say this? Just to save themselves on that day. So Allah will ask their messenger, did you not convey? And the messenger will say, of course I conveyed. So there is a dispute now. The people are saying, nobody told us. The messenger is saying, I fully conveyed. So Allah will ask the messengers, do you have anyone else who can support you in your claim? Who can come as a witness to testify in your favor? And the messengers will say, yes, the ummah of Muhammad sallallahu alayhi wasallam. So Allah will ask Ummat Muhammad, us, that did so-and-so messenger convey the message to his people? And our responsibility at that time is to say, yes, he did convey. Question is, how do we know? We were never there when Nuh came, when Isa came. We weren't there. So how do we know that the messenger is fully conveyed? How? From the book of Allah, from the Qur'an, from this ilm that Allah has given to us. Because we know that testimony is based on what? What you have seen and what you have studied. What you know to be as a fact. So on the day of judgment, لِتَكُونُوا شُهَدَاءَ عَلَى النَّاسِ We are supposed to bear witness against the people that yes, their messengers did convey to them. وَيَكُونَ rasul And the messenger, meaning the messenger Muhammad wasallam, He will be alaykum upon you shaheedan a witness. You will testify against the people and your messenger will testify against you. What does it mean by this? That Muhammad wasallam, he will also testify against us on the Day of Judgment that, Oh Allah, I conveyed fully to my nation, to my people. I conveyed fully to them. And we learn that even in this world, the Prophet ﷺ made it clear. We learn that at Hajjatul Wada', the farewell pilgrimage, the Prophet ﷺ, he was there before so many people, he addressed them, and he said, Have I not conveyed? قَالُوا نَعَمْ The people said, Yes. قَالَ The Prophet ﷺ, then he said, Allahumma shahad, O Allah, bear witness that I did convey. And this he said three times. He said, The people said, Naam. He said, Allahumma shahad. And then again he said, People said, Naam. He said, Allahumma shahad. Three times he made it very clear to the people that he conveyed fully to them. But of course there will be people on the Day of Judgment who will be saying, we didn't know, even from the Muslim Ummah. I remember when I was in school, there was a person in my class and they would say, you know, I know we're supposed to pray, I know we're supposed to do this, but I don't do this kind of stuff. So one day we were having a very serious discussion about religion and such things. So the teacher asked that person, what excuse are you going to give on the Day of Judgment? I mean, you don't do it, but still you know... You don't do it because you don't want to. He said, you know, I'll say the Qur'an was in Arabic. I don't speak Arabic. So I don't know. Can you imagine? People say such things even now. Amongst Muslims. The Qur'an was in Arabic. I didn't know. So I'm not going to follow it. What's the response to that? Allah has preserved the Arabic language. And Allah has made it very much possible for you to understand the Qur'an in Arabic. To open up the translation of the Qur'an. To listen to an explanation of the Qur'an. To read tafsir. Understanding the Qur'an is not impossible today. So if a person says, Oh, it was in Arabic, I don't know. Who's at fault? Him. وَيَكُونَ الرَّسُولُ عَلَيْكُمْ شَهِيدًا The messenger will be a witness against you. You say you don't know, the messenger will say 
that I fully conveyed. I made it very clear to the people. We learn in Surah An-Nisa, ayah number 41. So how will it be when we will extract from every nation their witness and we will bring you, O Muhammad wasallam, as a witness against them? Meaning from every nation, Allah will bring their messenger to witness against the people. And Allah will ask Muhammad wasallam to witness against us as well. وَيَكُونَ الرَّسُولُ عَلَيْكُمْ شَهِيدًا The messenger will be a witness against you. We learn in the Qur'an, in Surah Furqan, ayah number 30, Allah says, وَقَالَ الرَّسُولُ On the day of judgment, the messenger will say, يَا رَبِّ O oh my Lord, إِنَّ قَوْمِ اتَّخَذُوا هَذَا الْقُرْآنَ مَهْجُورًا Indeed, my people, they abandoned the Qur'an. So the people who leave the Qur'an, who study but forget, who write but they put away, they don't live with the Qur'an. The messenger will bear witness against them. وَيَكُونَ الرَّسُولُ عَلَيْكُمْ شَهِيدًا You have been made the best ummah not to enjoy the privileges. But you have been given a great responsibility. That you are supposed to follow this religion and you are also supposed to convey it to other people. And if you don't, whether you do or you don't, the messenger will be a witness either for you or against you on the day of judgment. وَيَكُونَ الرَّسُولُ عَلَيْكُمْ شَهِيدًا What's the purpose of saying this? We see in this part of the ayah that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is making the Muslim ummah realize their responsibility. What is your responsibility? To live by the deen and to tell other people as well. What's the purpose of saying this right now? After mentioning the al-qibla, after mentioning the change of the qibla. The reason is that the change of qibla, the shift of qibla, signified, it showed, it made it very clear to the people that there was also a shift of responsibility. A shift of privileges that came with that responsibility. Before the Muslim Ummah, who was the one responsible to convey the message? The Bani Israel. The Prophet ﷺ was supposed to follow their Qibla. However, when they did not believe, Allah made it very clear, the Messenger is now to face Baytullah when praying Salah. That is going to be his Qibla. And just as the Qibla has been changed, likewise the responsibility has also been shifted. You are no longer the chosen people. So the Bani Israel was made very clear to them that you are no longer the chosen people. Now the chosen people, Ummatan Wasatan, are those who follow Muhammad wasallam. So just as Allah changed the Qibla, He also made the Muslim Ummah, Ummatan Wasatan now. He made them the chosen people. The Bani Israel were no longer the chosen people. وَكَذَلِكَ جَعَلْنَاكُمْ أُمَّةً وَسَطًا But we must realize, you know, we shouldn't be thinking that, yeah, we're the chosen people, we're believers, so we're going to go to paradise for sure. It comes with a huge responsibility. We can only be the best nation if we fulfill that responsibility. If we don't fulfill this responsibility, if we don't follow Him, we're not the best people. We're not the chosen people. In the Qur'an, Allah says, كُنْتُمْ خَيْرَ أُمَّةً You are the best nation. Why? أُخْرِجَتْ لِلنَّاسِ You have been taken up for the people. You have been made the best nation to guide others. And if you don't guide others, are you the best people? You're not the best people. وَمَا جَعَلْنَا الْقِبْلَ And we did not make the qibla. Meaning we did not decide, we did not command you that you face the qibla. Which qibla? أَلَّتِي كُنْتَ عَلَيْهَا Which you were on, meaning which you were facing previously. Which qibla is this referring to? Baytul Maqdas. The only reason why Allah commanded the believers to face Baytul Maqdas for some time was what? Illa, except, meaning the only reason was لِنَعْلَمَ So that we may know عَيْنْ لَا مِيمْ Allah may come to know what? Man, who? 
يَتَّبِعُ الرَّسُولُ Who is the one who follows the messenger? مِمَّنْ than the one who يَنْقَلِبُ عَلَىٰ عَقِبَيْ He turns on his heels. This was a test. The short amount of time when the believers were to face بَيْتَ الْمَقْدَسِ in Salah was what? After that the command was changed again. The people were supposed to face Karba again. Why was this change done so rapidly within 17 months? Why? Allah was testing the people. Who is it who truly follows the messenger? And who is it that would turn away on his heels? Turn away from Islam. Notice this. مَنْ يَتَّبِعُ الرَّسُولُ Who is the one who will follow the messenger? يَتَّبِعُ is from تَابَعِينَ From the word اِتِّبَاعُ And اِتِّبَاعُ is to follow someone. Basically, it means المشي خلف insan To walk behind another person. What does اِتِّبَاعُ mean? To walk behind another person. And this is in two ways. Ittibar is in two ways. First of all, in the physical sense. And secondly, in the intangible sense. Physical, hissi, to literally follow someone. For example, your sister is walking in front of you, and you are walking behind her. She turns right, you turn right. She turns left, you turn left. She keeps going straight, you keep going straight. She stops, you stop. She stops to meet someone, you also stop to meet someone. What is this? Literally following someone. Their footsteps. The second is marnawi, intangible, following someone. What does it mean by that? That you follow the actions, the statements, the ways of a person. For example, we are supposed to do ittibar of the Prophet ﷺ. Doesn't mean we go to Makkah, and then from there we migrate to Medina, and then we go to Badr, and then we go to Uhud, and then we dig the trenches. Is that the ittibar that we're supposed to do? Repeat his life? The places he went to? No. We're not supposed to do that. The ittiba that we're supposed to do is the actions he did, his ways, his words. We adopt the same in our lives. So when he woke up, he said, Alhamdulillah, illadhi ahyana ba'dama amatana wa ilayhi nushur. When we wake up, we say the same thing. When he put on his clothes, he put the right in first and then the left. So when we put on clothes, we do the same thing. When he ate, he ate with his right hand. So when we eat, we also eat with our right hand. So ittiba' of the Messenger wasallam is that we follow him in his ways, in his actions, in his statements, in his lifestyle, in the way that he worshipped Allah, in the way that he met other people, in the way that he dealt with other people. We adopt the same way. So every action that the Messenger does, the believers do the exact same thing. The Prophet wasallam he was to face Baytul Maqdas, and then he was to face... Kaaba. So the believers at that time, they were supposed to follow him. How were they to follow him? That when he was facing Baytul Maqdas, they also faced Baytul Maqdas. When he faces the Kaaba, they continue facing Baytul Maqdas? No. They also face the Kaaba. So Allah was testing people. Who is it that will precisely follow the messenger to every step, every way, every action, even the direction that he's facing? And who is it that will turn away ala aqibayi? ينقلب قاف لامبا انقلاب قلب to turn around so ينقلب he turns around على upon عقبيه عقبي is actually عقبين dual of عقب and عقب عقاب heels the heel of your foot imagine this ينقلب على عقبي he turns on his heels have you ever done that? Stand on your heels and then turn around. And when you turn around, you take a complete turn. You take a complete turn. You no longer face what you were facing before. 
you no longer do what you were doing before. So who is it that will turn away from Islam completely, abandon the religion completely? Allah was testing the people. So what do we see here? That sometimes Allah gives certain commands. Why? Simply to test people. Allah decrees certain things in our lives simply to test us. The objective is not to harm us. No. Allah decrees certain things in our lives. Why? To test us. How do we react? Do we follow? Do we do what Allah wants us to do? Do we accept whatever He's sending our way? Or do we turn away and get upset and become completely different? Leave whatever He wants us to do. Allah tests people. Notice the word لِنَعْلَمَ So that we may come to know. Does Allah not know about everything from before? Yes. We learned earlier, سَيَقُولُ He will soon say. So before even the people said, Allah knew that this is what they will say. So what does it mean by this? Does Allah not already know who is it that will remain firm on the religion and who will turn away? Allah knows about the reality of every single person. So what does it mean by this لِنَعْلَمَ This is understood in two ways. First of all, so that we make apparent. Remember that Allah knows about everything. But there are some things that Allah manifests. Allah causes to be shown as well. For example, a person may be very righteous. He may be reciting the Qur'an when he's alone. He may be seeking istighfar when he's alone. He may be doing some action secretly away from the eyes of people because he doesn't want to show to people the kind of good deeds that he performs. He's hiding the good deeds that he does. Who knows about his righteousness? Allah knows about it. Who knows about his good deeds? Allah knows. But sometimes Allah will create situations so that his righteousness, his good deeds are shown to other people as well. So that other people know that he is a good person as well. For example, a person was giving charity secretly and another person sees him. A person was on his way somewhere and the other sees him. So for example, Abu Bakr anhu, he did actions, he did good deeds secretly so many times. But Umar anhu, he would follow him. Where is he going? What is he doing? He would follow him. So once he followed him like this, because he would leave every day early in the morning, so he followed him and he found that there was a house he went into and after some time he came out. So he went to that same house and he saw there was an old blind woman. He said, who is that man? Why did he come and who is he? She said that he comes every day, he makes my door, he cleans my house. I don't know who he is. He just does all these things and he goes away. So Umar anhu found out about the secret good deed of Abu Bakr anhu. So, Allah knows about the reality of every person, how good they are, how bad they are. But Allah shows that goodness to other people and Allah shows that evil to other people as well. And sometimes Allah hides this, Allah conceals this in this world. But when will He show it? When will He definitely show it? On the Day of Judgment. وَشَاهِدٍ وَمَشْهُودٍ The witness and the one that is witnessed. Meaning the actions of the people, the hearts of the people will be witnessed by everyone on the Day of Judgment. You cannot hide so لِنَعْلَمَ Allah was going to make it known who is the true follower and who is not the true follower. Because as we learned earlier about the munafiqeen, that when the Prophet ﷺ came to Medina, many people embraced Islam. Why? Just to follow other people, just to show that they were also righteous. So times like these, their inside, their inner state was revealed. Because there were some people who left Islam at this occasion. Who did not remain Muslim anymore. So, it was made very clear, these people are not following the messenger. If they were following the messenger, they would do everything that the messenger does. Then who are they following? Their own desires, their own intellect. What makes sense to them, they do. Whatever does not make sense to them, they don't do. 
This is just like a teacher. She knows that one of her students, she's very good, she does very well on her test, she's been studying very seriously. She knows that this student is going to get an A, she is going to pass. Another student doesn't study, doesn't even bother. She knows she's going to fail. So what does she do? Does she wait for the test day, takes their tests, marks their tests, and then enter their records? Or does she, even before the test takes place, she's like, she's going to pass, okay, 80%, she's going to fail, okay, zero. No. Just because she knows she's going to pass and she's going to fail, she's not going to give the reward or punishment. She's not allowed to do that. Even though she knows, even though she may be 100% sure. Similarly, Allah knows about the state of every person. But Allah will not reward a person before he does a good deed. And he will not punish a person before he does a crime. So, إِلَّا لِنَعْلَمَ مَنْ يَتَّبِعُ الرَّسُولِ مِمَّنْ يَنْقَلِبُ عَلَىٰ عَقِبَيْهِ So Allah was going to see who does good, who follows the messenger, so that he may be rewarded. And who does not follow the messenger, so he may be punished. وَإِنْ كَانَتْ And indeed it was. What was? تَحْوِيلُ الْقِبْلَةِ Changing of the Qibla from Baytul Maqdas to Kaaba. This was لَكَبِيرَ Surely something that is very great. كَبِيرَ كَافْ بَارَ Kabir is something that is big in its size, but not only big in its size. Something that you perceive, you think of as very big. For example, for you to fold laundry, oh my God, it's like an elephant, moving an elephant. And for your mother, a piece of cake. So for you to fold laundry, even if it's just one load of laundry, is a huge impossible task. Why? Because of how you look at it. And for another person, it's only one load of laundry, not that big of a deal. Why? Because of how they look at it. So, in كَانَتْ لَكَبِيرًا Surely this change of Qibla was something that was very big, very difficult, very burdensome. For who? For many people. إِلَّا except عَلَى الَّذِينَ هَدَى Except for those people whom Allah guided. Those people whom Allah guided, for them, change of Qibla, no big deal. But for some others, it was a very, very big deal. When the Prophet ﷺ went for Mi'raj, and he returned, and he informed the people, the mushrikeen, they went to Abu Bakr anhu. And he said, you know your friend, he says he went up to the heavens and he came down in one night. He said, if he said it, I believe that. It wasn't difficult for him to believe. Why? Because he said, if he tells me about the news that come to him from the skies, it's not difficult for me to believe that he went to the skies. No. So, for Abu Bakr anhu, not a big deal at all. But for some other people, it was a huge deal. They could not believe in him. They could not accept the Prophet ﷺ anymore. So likewise, at Tahwil al-Qibla, it was difficult for many people. Except for who? Those whom Allah guided. And again, عَلَى الَّذِينَ هَدَى اللَّهِ Hidayah over here is of two types. Ilm and Tawfiq. Those to whom Allah has given ilm, and those to whom Allah has given Tawfiq. The more a person learns about this religion, the more a person learns the Qur'an, the more easier it becomes for him to accept the commands of Allah. And when a person does not know, it's very hard upon him. Take your own example. It's quite possible that a few months back, praying salah, or a few years back when you didn't know much, praying salah was like 
somebody told you to go do bungee jumping. Literally, it's like that for some people. As if somebody is telling them to jump off a mountain. But now, after studying a little bit of the Qur'an even, even getting a little bit of knowledge, time for salah, okay, get up, do wudu, pray. No big deal. So, the more a person learns, the more easier it becomes for him to accept the commands of Allah, to perform acts of obedience. And when a person does not know, then it becomes more and more difficult. Math, it's quite possible. Physics, chemistry. When you didn't really study it that seriously, oh my God, I don't like it, it's so hard, it's so difficult, it's impossible. But then once you start doing it, and you start getting it, and you start understanding it, do you enjoy it? You love it, you enjoy it. And if there's any person who says, I don't like math, what's the reason? They haven't practiced enough, they haven't understood. I was one of those people. I struggled, I struggled for years and years through simple algebra, simple equations, simple formulas. I struggled. But Alhamdulillah, may Allah bless my math teacher. He explained things to me when I was in grade 9. So simple. Everything became so easy for me, Alhamdulillah, that now it's not that big of a deal. Alhamdulillah, I scored an A. I was very happy about that. It was impossible for me to get an A. In middle school, it was impossible for me. So when you don't know something, very hard. When you know, it becomes easier. So in كَانَتْ لَكَبِيرَةً إِلَّا عَلَى الَّذِينَ هَدَ اللَّهِ Those to whom Allah has given knowledge to, it becomes very easy to them to accept the commands of Allah. And for others, it becomes very difficult. وَمَا كَانَ اللَّهُ لِيُضِيعَ إِيمَانَكُمْ And Allah would never ever waste your faith. يُضِيعَ ضَادْ يَا It means to waste something. What does it mean? To waste something. So Allah would never ever waste what? Imanakum, your iman. What does iman mean? What is iman? Faith, right? Where is iman? Can you touch it? Can you show me the box? Can you show me the case in which iman is? It's not something physical. Where is it? It's in the heart. But if iman is in the heart, is it enough to say it's in my heart? No. If a person has iman in their heart, then will it not be shown in the actions they do? In the words they say? In the thoughts they think? Of course. Iman is manifested through a person's actions, through a person's words, through a person's thinking. Over here, Allah says, Allah would never ever waste your iman. What does this refer to? When the qibla was changed, some people got scared. That we prayed facing Baytul Maqdis for 16 or 17 months. For so long. What about all of those prayers? Do we have to repeat them now? Are they wasted? Do we have to repeat them? Or are they acceptable? So people were afraid. And there were some people who had actually passed away even before the Qibla was changed. So they died when their Qibla was Baytul Maqdis. So Allah says, وَمَا كَانَ اللَّهُ لِيُضِيعَ إِيمَانَكُمْ Allah would never ever waste your Iman. Iman over here refers to Salah. Allah would never waste your prayer. Meaning the prayers that you performed facing Baytul Maqdis, you performed at the command of Allah. So Allah has accepted those. And now if you're facing Baytullah, it's at the command of Allah. So Allah will accept that as well. If people died facing Baytul Maqdis in prayer, that was at the command of Allah. It wasn't out of their own desires they were facing Baytul Maqdis. So Allah would never ever waste your iman. This shows to us that iman is also actions. Because salah, what does salah include? Actions and words. And it also involves your thinking, your heart. So likewise, iman is also the same. وَمَا كَانَ اللَّهُ لِيُضِيعَ إِمَانَكُمْ إِنَّ اللَّهَ بِالنَّاسِ Indeed, Allah with the people 
He is the Ra'ufun, surely one who is most affectionate, Rahimun, most merciful. Ra'uf, Ra, Hamza, Fa, Ra'fa. Ra'fa is Ashaddul Rahma, extreme mercy. To be extremely merciful towards someone. Very, very compassionate towards them. Very caring towards them. And in particular, Ra'fa is when you see someone in trouble, your heart is filled with mercy and compassion and you want to take them out of difficulty. You want to take them out of their problem. So Allah, He is Lara'uf, surely He is most affectionate. When people are in distress, when they are in difficulty, Allah takes them out. Which is why if a person even suffers the prick of a thorn and he's patient, Allah rewards him for that. Such a small suffering, but what a great reward. What does it show? How compassionate Allah is. Rahim, He is merciful. The good deeds that you performed, Allah is not going to ask you to repeat them again. The prayers that you performed facing Baytul Maqdas, you don't have to repeat them again. No, they are valid in their position. Let's listen to the recitation of these verses and then we'll discuss the lessons. وَكَذَلِكَ جَعَلْنَاكُمْ أُمَّةً وَسَطًا لِتَكُونُوا شُهَدَاءَ عَلَى النَّاسِ وَيَكُونَ الرَّسُولُ عَلَيْكُمْ شَهِيدًا وَمَا جَعَلْنَا الْقِبْلَةَ الَّتِي كُنْتَ عَلَيْهَا إِلَّا لِنَعْلَمَ مَنْ يَتَّبِعُ الرَّسُولَ مِنْ يَنْقَلِبُ عَلَى عَقِبَيْهِ وَإِنْ كَانَتْ لَكَبِيرَةً إِلَّا عَلَى الَّذِينَ هَدَى اللَّهِ وَمَا كَانَ اللَّهُ لِيُضِيعَ إِيمَانَكُمْ إِنَّ اللَّهَ بِالنَّاسِ لَرَؤُوفٌ رَّحِيمٌ We see in this ayah that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says وَكَذَلِكَ جَعَلْنَاكُمْ أُمَّةً وَسَطًا We have made you أُمَّةً وَسَطًا the best nation, the most moderate nation. What does this show to us? The high status of the ummah of Muhammad sallallahu alaihi wasallam. But this high status comes with what? A huge responsibility. So we can only be the great people when we perform the great responsibility. As long as we follow the messenger, we convey the message to the people, we are ummatan wasatan. But if we don't do that, we are not ummatan wasatan. Allah has made us ummatan wasatan so that we may be a witness for mankind, to mankind, against mankind, in this world and on the day of judgment. And if we're not doing that, we're not ummatan wasatan. We also learn in this verse that the Prophet ﷺ, he fully conveyed every single thing that he was supposed to. Whether it was something small or something big. Because, وَيَكُونَ الرَّسُولُ عَلَيْكُمْ شَهِيدًا He can only be a witness against us when he fully conveyed. So he conveyed everything that he was supposed to convey. Then we also learn in this verse that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala sometimes tests people with the commands that He gives to them. These commands could be of different types. It could be something that has been made wajib on us, something that is mandatory on us, something that is compulsory, we have to do it. But Allah tests us with that, because we might find it difficult, we might find it hard. Secondly, tahrim, prohibition. So the matters that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has forbidden on us, we're not allowed to do that. Are there some things that are forbidden, but yet we're tempted to do it? Many things. So why did Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala prohibit us from that? Simply to test us. Simply to test us. For example, a person might say, why isn't it that we can date someone before we get married? I mean, how can you get married to someone you don't even know? 
what if you get married and you feel that it's not the right person? So shouldn't you date them before and figure out if they're the right person or not? People say that a lot, right? You might come up with many reasons. But also know that Allah is testing you here. Do you obey Allah or do you do what makes more sense to you? What you want to do? So Allah tests us through commands that are wajib on us, sometimes those matters which are haram on us, similarly through nasq, through abrogation. So in the time of the Prophet ﷺ, people were tested in that. Also we learn in this verse that importance of following Messenger ﷺ. Allah was testing the people, do they follow the Messenger or not? And we see that the Sahaba, they followed the Messenger ﷺ so beautifully, especially at this occasion. It was manifested, it was made very clear. We learned that when the verses were revealed concerning Tahweel al-Qibla, obviously everybody did not know about it. And there was no Facebook, no Twitter, that you could just post something and everybody would come to know about it immediately. No, everything had to be spread through word of mouth. So there was a man who prayed with the Prophet ﷺ facing the Kaaba. And then he went away. And when he was going, he went towards his house or whatever, he found some people, they were still praying in the direction of Baytul Maqdis. They were in Rukur. And he said, by Allah, I prayed with the messenger and he was facing the Kaaba. And you know what happened? They turned in their salah. They didn't say, you know, we'll figure out, let's just complete the salah. And then we we'll go and then we find out and we say why and then we discuss and we understand and if we fully understand then we'll do it. No. The messenger prayed facing Baytullah. They turned immediately. They did not wait. So following the messenger is something that is Necessary, something that we have to do. Also we learn in this verse that Tahweel al-Qibla, changing of the Qibla was something very difficult upon many people except for those whom Allah guided. This is not just with the command of Tahweel al-Qibla but with every other command as well. There are two types of people. One is a person who does what Allah has commanded with ease. No problem. He will do it happily. He will do it easily, quickly. He'll do it. No problem whatsoever. But there is another person who will do the same thing but with a lot of difficulty. For your mother, for example, to sit down and to read Qur'an, no problem. She will sit for an hour. She will read an entire juz. And for you, as soon as you begin a page, you're like, well, how many more lines left? How many more verses left? And you keep looking at the clock. How much more time is left? Five minutes? Okay, two minutes over. Quickly, quickly. So there are two types of people. Some, they do it very easily. Other people, they do it with a lot of difficulty. The person who does it very easily, definitely his reward is a lot. Why? Because the deen commands have as though entered him so that it's become a part of his blood and soul, so that it's not difficult for him. It's become very natural for him to do the good deeds. But for the person who does it with difficulty, what should he do? He should still do it. Why? He will get double reward. Why double reward? One for doing the action and one for the difficulty that he's enduring. The hardship that he is facing. How much he has to control his nafs. He has to control himself to sit there, to continue reading. Don't look at the clock. Keep reading. Don't look at the end of the page. Keep reading. So when you find something difficult, still do it. Do it anyway. Don't wait for that time when it will be very easy for you to stand in prayer, doing taraweeh, reading Quran. Don't wait for that. Because if you keep waiting for it, it will never come. Just do it however you have to do it. Because you know what? When a person does something good, Allah makes it easier for him. Allah will facilitate that for him. Like we learned earlier, when a person comes to know, when a person gains knowledge about something, 
then it becomes easier for him to do it. So, the solution to finding difficulty in doing good deeds is what? A, do it anyway, and B, learn, find out. The more you will learn, the more easier it will become. And this is something that happens. A person finds something difficult, but eventually it becomes easier. There is a statement that is said by many people, طَلَبَنَا الْعِلْمُ We sought knowledge, we gained knowledge, لِغَيْرِ الله, For other than Allah. When we were seeking knowledge, our intention was other than Allah. We want to become famous, we want to become the most knowledgeable person, we want to impress people, we want to make our parents happy. فَأَبَا أَن يَكُونَ إِلَّا لِلَّهِ So knowledge refused that it should be except for Allah. Meaning, we started off seeking it further than Allah, but then eventually it became for Allah. We started off with a lot of difficulty, but eventually we got there. This is why on the Day of Judgment, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala will say to the people who enter paradise, وَكَانَ السَّعْيُكُمْ مَشْكُورًا And your effort, your endeavor is very much appreciated today. Because on the Day of Judgment, Allah will not just look at the quantity that we have brought but also the quality, the effort that has been put into it. And very important lesson that we learn in this verse is that if a person finds obeying Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, following the commands of Allah, something that is easy, then whose grace is it upon him? It's the grace of Allah. It's the huge favor of Allah. Because, إِلَّا الَّذِينَ هَذَا اللَّهِ Allah guided. You didn't guide yourself. You did not guide yourself. Allah guided you. You could never do it by yourself. Allah enabled you to do it.